Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Salumas Podcast. Why is it that things like love often get paired with things like objectification? Why is it that in many occasions, the people we hold in high regard unconsciously get held to expectations that they may not be able to achieve? I think that this happens because strong emotional connections can sometimes blind you, especially when you combine that connection with your inadequacies and your desire to fix them. When this happens, I think that it can skew your view of some folks and what you end up doing is placing them in a position in your life that they may not actually belong in. And along with that, placing expectations on them that they may not be able to actually meet. What's worse is that you might deny them of their flaws that actually exist. And when you discover that those flaws exist during the time that they're actually failing to meet your expectations, it magnifies the disappointment that you have in them because you fail to see that they really aren't who you thought that they were, or you didn't give them an opportunity to show you exactly who they are. So in this episode, Chris and I try to examine these questions and then we try to examine ourselves and how this whole thing affects us. So without further ado, I present to you episode 865, Pedestals. trick it out and we turn it into a $150 home or rent it out for seven, $800 a month. Like then we become part of the same problem that yeah. I'm actively combating. Yeah. But the world, but, like, but look, in. we're people of color though. And they'd be like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to go into your trap instead of these guys. I wonder, like, if, got I, w- <laughs> I wonder if, if there are any kind of like subsidies or loans that are associated with like if, if we were to start some kind of, Oh, I'm sure there are some kind I'm of sure thing. There, yeah. there, there, certainly something like that. But anyway, I want to get into this. I know you've got, you know, it, it's yesterday was pretty hard on you. I know you want to get to resting, but like th- there's something that I want to talk about. And uh, it was based on a conversation that I had with a close friend of mine uh, yesterday. And it was it's about pedestals. And uh, she made this one small comment about how she learn to not put people on pedestals and that that's what really it sparked a ton of thought. I mean, I was up late just thinking about that. And, um, you know, you think of how often we do put people that we give a shit about on pedestals in my head, I'll put someone on a pedestal because I care about them, you know, because I want them to win and I want them to succeed. And I do everything in my, in my power to make sure that that happens. But the downside of those pedestals is that when they don't do it, when they screw up, when they fail, they disappoint the ever living shit out of me. And uh, I want to be able to talk about why that's a good or bad thing. And I and maybe it can get some of our listeners to think about the things and the people that they put on pedestals and uh, whether or not it's healthy or not to go through life doing that. Well, and, and, you know, qualifiers like good or bad, I think everybody, whenever they're approaching an objective analysis of a concept like this, and we we all have to agree on the language that we have chosen to utilize as a tool for unpacking this, that there are limitations to it. 
So we're working within a certain, I guess, framework. So the definition of what it is to put someone on a pedestal, quite simply, the working definition is that in many ways, to me, is an objectification of an individual in a positivistic direction, such that you have expectations of that individual that correlate with an idealized version of who you believe that person to be. That yeah. would be, in my opinion, now, if you want to amend that or, or shift it or, or present your working definition, that's, that's how I envision the concept. But, um, you know, we can't help. For, yeah, Ernie agreed. But you can't help. But as we said, it's part of human nature, whether yeah. it be good or bad, assigning these qualifiers um, to objectify. That's how we make sense of the world. We objectify it. Yeah, we objectify it. We objectify even ourselves. We don't just an objectification has really been assigned this pejorative value when in reality it's an innocuous term even though we could say that the the mainstream presentation of the term objectification is 80 percent if not a hundred percent negative like i can't think of a time where in the mainstream or you know comment the zeitgeist if you will to kind of hate using that term just because of the people that I often associate with using that term probably don't even know what it means, but <laughs> um, that it's, it's always presented as negative when in reality, if we look at it through a psychosocial standpoint and we look at ourselves, if we step back from ourselves and really look at it at ourselves as, as just a species, as an organism, as multiple organisms, social organisms, that have these, what we perceive to be complex dynamics and interactions, objectification is simply a psychological device through which human beings make sense in the world. It's kind of like the argument on whether altruism exists or not, whether mm -hmm. there's a such thing that even an act of utter selflessness, perceivably utter selflessness, somehow benefits the entity that engages in that act like like what i do for a living whenever for example i don't like being put on a pedestal by virtue of what i do for a living right people will be like you know i just th the work that you do is so amazing and you just do this and i'm like dog do not give me credit for shit that i should be expected to do that's why I walk around fucking angry all the time because yeah. I think it's kind of a cop out that we have people that do what I do that that feel obligated since I've already laid eyes on it. And Kalu, if you had already laid eyes on it, if you'd already been immersed in it from, you know, a relatively early age, like, I mean, it, you you grew up around academics as well. Yep. Um, I grew up around academics. I also grew up around public servants. And I saw that and I, I knew that to be the normative thing within my family group. So and then also my family are a bunch of brutal motherfuckers that don't give you credit for anything, mm -hmm. which is fine. I'm not saying that I'm representative of whatever, but it makes my skin crawl to be put on a pedestal in any way, shape, form or fashion. I do not receive compliments well. And, and sure. it's not it's not because of 
I, I feel like they're inauthentic. I feel like that they're guided by incomplete information. Mm. And I think that that's the key with putting people on the pedestal is that if you're placing someone on a pedestal and we have these qualifiers like good or bad, there's not anything about being put on a pedestal that is wholly good or wholly bad. Yeah. It's just an innocuous thing, right? Sure. It's it's how you're doing it. And the fact that, and again, under our work, the working definition that I've presented, that if you're placing somebody or exalting someone based upon incomplete information, that is the setup for the fucking fall. And let's talk about incomplete information so people understand what we mean. Well, it's that objectification. You take mm. you take the the positive elements, the profundity, the feeling that you get from that individual. Again, it comes back to selfish shit. Mm-hmm. Objectifying other individuals, placing someone on a pedestal sounds like a outward thing that you're doing that is you're exalting someone else. It doesn't inherently sound like a selfish act. But it is very, very much a selfish act. Almost everything we fucking do, again, and we go back to the altruism argument, has some kind of selfish component because it fulfills some sort of need that we that we have. Um, something that could be found on Ma- Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Even if you look at it in terms of like people that do missionary work and think they're saving souls and, and doing things like that, it's still fulfilling something that's on that that psychosocial oh, pyramid yeah. oh yeah it just it, when it you reduce really, it to purely chemicals and stuff like that you, you you get a response from you get a chemical response from doing shit like that for other people ab- absolutely you absolutely do and and we're hardwired for certain things um some of us are hardwired like we talked about in a previous podcast i think some individuals are more of the ilk of being tabula rasa and are much more susceptible to uh, the conditioning of their environment, where some of us are straight out of the womb or hardwired for X, Y, and fucking Z. And in order to abide by societal norms, we really have to constrain ourselves and work within those parameters. And it's something mm-hmm. that I joust with. So um, the incomplete information really comes down to, for example, you can look at putting people on pedestals over time and space as well Mm. time and space when you talk about um uh individuals like the greek philosophers Mm -hmm. the greek philosophers are quoted often they're thrown around in a very innocuous term like everybody generally accepts that there's merit to the things that are said by greek philosophers the the common names that are thrown out there but if you were to start to dig it, you're you're going off of uh, complete and utter just it i mean I, i'm gonna say ignorance for lack of a better term it is incomplete information because if you look at the individual the life of the individual their day-to-day what normative systems that those individuals adhered to then you're not going to uh it's not going to sit as well with your tum tum because a lot of these people did shit that today their normative systems and things that they did on a on a semi-regular basis and thought were normative practice Mm. like sexual interaction with people like with 
minor minors like and again you know that's the normative system there are places in the rainforest to this day that you know as soon as you are you hit puberty you are an adult like again there there are subjective elements to it but the fact that if we think about somebody like socrates or you know plato or whoever um what amounts to molesting and having sexual dynamics with 12 year old boys, 12 year old boys. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't bode well. Right. So if we, if we juxtapose all this wisdom, all this profundity that is very spacious and airy and almost anybody can take it and make a Facebook post about it. And then you juxtapose the list of who that individual really was. And we don't know because a lot of that stuff has been lost to time. But mm. it, it's the same kind of process with, you know, in people's minds. Um, black people need to quit complaining about slavery. That was fucking blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Bruh, Jim Crow, slavery, uh, all, all kinds of the civil rights movement. All of this shit was fucking recent. Yeah, it was very recent. It's recent, but the human mind and Mark, Mark, I think, has presented a very good timeline that somewhere between 20 and 40 years, Mm -hmm. um, even generationally speaking, there tends to be a waning of the negative. And that's the human mind itself. If you've broken up with someone and and you and I function differently and and you've gone through our our recent uh, splits from Mm -hmm. our significant others are different and we handle those things differently but the further removed that i am from mine and again you you're still contending with it and understandably so because you were invested for longer in a different context and you're a different individual than i am but the further that i am removed from the two women in my 36 years that i've ever been in love with um the more that i I, I tend to not hold on to the negative. Mm. I, I tend to highlight the positive. And I think that that's a normal, that's a normal human thing to, sure. to keep us homeostatic, like walking around carrying the weight of other people's imperfections, especially when they are no longer in your life serves zero purpose. Yeah, absolutely. But <clears throat> I'll say that the counter to that, Um, is that, you know, first of all, to really understand pedestals in general, you know, it it is to admire someone as a definition says to admire someone in such a way as to idolize them. Okay. And it would, um, you know, some say that, that like you can't even function properly without some form of them being there now. There are two ways about that. When people I, like if you say positively, when it's this, it's neither it's it's more negative than positive. Honestly, when people I, like idolize a person that much, um, you do put yourself in a position where they um, where they kind of run your life. Everything that you do is to to serve them or to magnify them or to improve them or whatever. But. The moment that that person fails you, and this is not just relationships, okay? This is like religion. This is all sorts of other stuff. They get put on an opposite pedestal. And that pedestal also 
is is something that it's 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 almost like fuel, Chris. And 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 I say that because you see a lot of people that 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 got burned by the church. Okay, they were in the church so much, and they got burned up by the church. Something happened to them in their religion or whatever, because God or whoever was on such a big pedestal in their life. When something bad happens, they swing so far in the opposite direction that they do shit like opposite of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Like, so they live their life to sort of show like to be like a big giant fuck you. Like I can handle my shit in spite of you. And I think that I do the same thing in my, just in, in general for people who burn me. Do you remember our episode on hatred? Do you remember that? Yeah. When I was talking about an ex's parents who were racist and all that kind of shit, and how I held that, and for literally almost seven you years, want to flex and do all this, dude. Other shit. You know how much good shit I got done in my life, bro. You know what I'm saying? And like, and well, I and I see that chicken shit into chicken salad, man. You, you and had, I know you had yeah. to have a vector for that. Yes, you were afforded and, a vector to to pour that into. And I and I feel the same thing happening now especially the way that it went down. And so I'm doing all sorts of stuff to be able to respond. But the big thing now is that when I go and talk to the therapist, they're like, you know, she said, like, imagine she said for someone who is very um, happy and positive and all this stuff, you've got quite the vengeful streak. And I was like, but you don't know me. Whereas I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's how the fuck he is. Like he's my dog, but he's he's a little evil. Like he could, if y'all really made Kalu mad, he would turn into a super fucking evil. So it's just like when when something like that happened there. She said, just imagine how what you can get done if you did things out of joy or out of love or because you just wanted to not because you were giving someone a big fuck you you know because there is a certain there comes a certain point where it is motivation but there is this um you know you think of like the law of diminishing returns you know what i'm saying you're like how long is this going to it's just not sustainable there's there's going to be a point where there's diminishing returns you know? So there's a transactional element. It's a, in, yes. in some context, there's a transactional. Yes, actually, well, you put someone on a pedestal. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, in in every single context that I can think of, it's transactional because mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place, and this isn't to be presenting myself as noble, but I come from a place. There's nothing where, noble about this shit, bro. No, no, there isn't, and. It, and again, there there's a lot of innocuous gray area type shit that's sure. associated with it as well. But like, I'm very accustomed to mm-hmm. not putting people on a pedestal um, wholly, but maybe within a specific context and mm-hmm. exalting them in that that specific context. And and I'm I'm again I'm not using the I I idolizing definition of it for this part of yeah it. yeah um we'll we'll circle back around to the more conventional definition but i'm so used to dealing with people that are stigmatized mm. that have been kicked around by the public and when i'm working with these individuals we we highlight their we highlight their strengths and address their weaknesses mm-hmm. that's that's like the baseline for how we go about facilitating success on their part. So I'm super duper used to 
um, and have conditioned myself for uh, forgiveness for, and I won't say disappointment because I don't allow myself the energy to be like, okay, I expect this from you. I honestly, if anything, am expressing and extending the empathy and love before any sort of expectation. Then as somebody is making progress and I see them grow and develop, then the layers of expectation get placed on them in accordance with their development, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not working off of incomplete information when we're dealing with that. We're working off of as much information as fucking possible, meaning I'm starting from square one, starting from a place of acknowledging that this human is inherently imperfect, that they do not have this omnipotence that's associated with it. Mm -hmm. However, my hubris, my narcissistic side, which I'm sure plenty of people could probably deduce from hearing me, you and Mark talk. Yeah. We have, we have have narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. We have a streak of that proclivity at the end of the fucking day. So in my personal life, my personal life, there's an even flow with that shit because my professional life, you know, I'm running these streets doing things to help other people. Numerous people. I cannot tell you. I I can't even begin to tell you how many people I have facilitated to the best of my ability to this point. Mm -hmm. And no part of me sits around like, I'm so fucking great because of that. Mm -hmm. I do think I'm great, but it's for different reasons. A lot of it is like inborn genetic, like sociocultural pride. um, Yeah. Which, by the way. That's where mine comes from. Yeah. and, And by the way, like. The, the more that I think about it, and, and again, you and I are, are, are somewhat atypical um, for, you know, brown and beige people. But uh, the more I think about it, the more I understand, like, goddamn, if I was just a poor white person and I wanted to be proud of where I came from and people were constantly telling me that it was racist to be proud of where I came from and I wasn't really good at articulating that like I'm not proud because my skin's light. I'm proud because of, you know, my meemaw taught me how to can green beans and like we lived off the like that kind of shit. The mm-hmm. more that I think about it, the more I'm like, Ugh, like where is there room for these people? But anyway, yeah, my narcissistic tendencies, my my proclivities when it comes to this, I man, I have that finite number of fucks that I get that mm-hmm. I've spoken about. From the damn near the fucking beginning, when we started this show, um, I burned through them during the week. I burned through them and invest them in people that I don't, I do not know aside from, you know, my on a professional basis. Like I have all their charts, I have all their medical records. I interact. I say I don't know them, but I interact with them on a really meaningful fucking level. But they're not like my homies. Yeah. They're not my family per se there has to be that professional boundary that isn't that is that is there so that i can objectively facilitate i can't do my job i I have to be invested but i can't be so invested that i can't see the forest for the trees and and there we go We, we we take that jump from my professional life to my personal life and in my personal life in order for me to be successful, I've learned that I need to be incredibly selfish with my time. Yeah. So I don't invest 
in people, and you said diminishing returns, it is fucking transactional and it's unfortunate, but it goddamn is. Everybody needs to quit using these these romanticized terms and looking at things in terms of like, oh, you know, I, I don't like the way that sounds or like this yeah. is love. This is what love means. Bitch, it's no, 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 I, bitch, I, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it isn't like. There's no one definition of it, and it, it, it's chemicals, and we are barely out of the fucking jungle. We're yeah. apes with fucking technology. Like, accept yeah. that shit. Um, yep. But when I encounter someone that I deem to be exceptional, and I don't expect them, okay, I'll use my last relationship. Actually, I'll use both of my, the, again, the two women that I have been in love with, two women that I still love to this day, and I'm fortunate enough to have have come to that place where I can love both of these women and and know that I will always love both of these women and and do so from a distance without having to possess them or anything like that but I don't expect them to be like me right and then I have people that are like uh this last relationship a lot of people didn't understand it because she wasn't what would be considered an intellectual. She didn't really care about that kind of stuff. And I found her to be exceptional in many ways and very candid, especially when it came to she and I. I'm like, man, this is a funny, unique little person. And nobody has given her a chance to allow herself to the freedom and comfort to actively express that side of herself without having some kind of contrived expectation associated with it. Well, I get caught up in my own bullshit and I'm like, Oh, I have chosen you. Granted. I was seeing like, again, this last relationship, I was seeing a few different women and then she came into my life and I was like, you know what? You're fucking special. Like I'm going to quit seeing everybody else. And I like, you're worth me getting hurt over, Mm -hmm. you know? But that that you are worth me getting hurt over is a difficult line to fucking toe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how noble you fucking think you are or, or how little you're trying. You are, you are doomed to put that person on a pedestal. If you're the kind of person that is very, very discerning about who they spend time with, and then they pick somebody and they're like, God damn, you're special. Yeah. You are fucking special. And then they do things that cause you harm and they do things that cause you harm and they don't even understand it. They don't get it. And that incongruence right there, it may not be their fucking fault. It may, it may be my fault just as much as it is there, but I'm the one that's placed that expectation there that I have been like, my pompous ass has the audacity to bring an imperfect person in and highlight their positive traits. And, and that be the basis by which I'm like, Oh, well, I think I'm great. I only have a certain amount of fucking time. You know, I don't fuck with nobody and you're going to act like this. How fucking dare you? I have the audacity to goddamn do that. And where did that come from? It comes from me putting that individual on a pedestal. And yep. if I had and if I had it to do over, I would I would do things differently. I would take myself less seriously within those contexts. 
Sure. But, sure. You know, the cool uh, thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I, there was no, no, that that's what I was going to say earlier. The other side of that, ladies and gentlemen, Kalu, my friend, mm-hmm. is, and this is part of putting people on a pedestal, is that there is a potential for abuse that's associated with being putting people on a pedestal and what route you take whenever they have a fall from grace. Yeah. So that's something that is, that is a really good segue into this is that pedestals, um, you know, and I, I can't remember where I read it from, but the person said that pedestals almost symbolize like a, a superior slash inferior dynamic between two people, right? When you put your, whatever it is on a pedestal, you know, you, you either, either you feel that, this thing is inferior to you or, or, or you are inferior to this thing or that thing is inferior to you. So you put it on a pedestal to make it better, if you will, you know, or you put that thing on a pedestal. So you'll do everything in your power to like magnify it. Does that make sense to like what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you, when you have, when you have like a superior inferior relationship or dynamic, there's, you're already setting the stage that the two of you aren't on the same level. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's almost like that shit will will inevitably lead to resentment, will lead to disappointment, will lead to failure, to lead to all these other things there. Because I learn that I know that I have, and I'm, and I'm not, you can call this whatever you want. I know that I was raised and conditioned in a way to be a lot more prepared for life than other people are point blank period. I'm more interested in becoming more prepared to, to handle shit. Um, just doing stuff in general. Okay. So I think that there are certain skills that, that I might have that other people don't. And, but when I put someone on a pedestal, I want to use every one of those skills in service of them. So in a weird, sick way, I'm putting myself as being inferior to them and doing everything for them. Now that sounds noble at first, but it's actually really fucked up. It's like Dr. Frankenstein. It's like Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, honestly, it is. It's like, so I'm putting, I'm, I'm literally, and I don't want to say lowering myself because that's like fucked up or whatever, but I don't know how else to sort of put it, but I'm saying, okay, I am kneeling or whatever, or worshiping you. I do the same thing and you do do it and you do it because of what you are. Yeah. It's like, you feel like I have to do this thing or work extra hard or do these things to make them better so that they can do all the things they need to do. When in reality, the hardest thing to do is fucking letting people be because that, in my opinion, yeah. poses the most amount of risk. God damn. You're right. Le- you know what letting, I mean? Letting, so- let a motherfucker live is the hardest. Yeah, hard. It's, it's because really if you, hard. If you know, if you have some of the experience or you have paid attention or you have seen what has happened elsewhere, you, of course you want to be able to, help someone avoid making mistakes or avoid doing these things wrong. So you you'll try and frame up life or put them in a position where they don't screw up. But it, in reality, fucking up is what te- is what teaches us. Well, like it, I learned a bunch of shit because, you know, I, I would I would tell a kid, don't go run into a don't go mess around with bees or something like that or fuck <laughs> yellow jackets because you told, my you told ass, Macaulay Culkin and I, I sure listen. did. But he, his bitch ass had weak genes and died from bee sting. So, but uh, 
I, oh, I when hate I was my laugh kid, on here, by the way. <laughs> when I was in kid, real life, I, I love it, but I hate it when I hear it on here. When I was a kid, I took my bike and I just stomped my bike like I was trying, trying, acting like I was could pop wheelies and shit through a wasp of yellow, uh, through a, uh, a swarm of yellow jackets. And my ass looked like a bag of popcorn when that shit was over with. And you want to talk about painful. Like it was fucking terrible. So that, so it's like, because I have failed or I screwed up in these certain things, or maybe I learned this lesson. It's just like, okay, because I was exposed to these lessons to this type of education or whatever, I try to make sure that other people don't do it. When in reality, bro, you have to take the L on your own. But that's hard when you're also, you know, when you are invested or if you love that person or whatever, you don't want to see them, you know, fail or whatever. But that is where the the topic of of love kind of um, is it fish love where it's like that objectifying them. You know, what I mean, oh, yeah, that's something that we do often. You love you love the fish because and that's why you caught it cleaned it yeah you cleaned it, it yeah, cooked exactly. it up and ate it like i yeah. love fish you love the you fish love so the much. way that the fish makes you fucking feel that's yeah. what you love about the fucking fish yeah well, and i and i will also say that there's an interesting element to this there's the the common um well i don't know how common it is in general but in the um the mental health community the psychology community and you're familiar with it, the tango between the narcissist and the codependent, mm. where you have, I mean, again, you've got the individual that, and, and that's, and it's an abusive dynamic. It's inherently yeah. an abusive dynamic. One feeds the other, but I will say that I, and I, I don't know as I've done this consciously, but I tend to ask somebody that, on paper, and again, I'm not in a position to self-diagnose. Like, none of us are in a position to self-diagnose. And to be quite honest with you, diagnoses are very subjective, too. I've yeah. been in the mental health field for long enough to, to see clients, people that I'm familiar with over long periods of time, see their, their SMI, even their SMI diagnoses shift in accordance with what a different psych- psychiatrist's or a different psychiatrist or a different therapist feels like that individual has or what they're experiencing. But as somebody that has that kind of tendency, I don't know how I've come to this position. Um, it's partly probably because the Kilborn family are a bunch of goddamn dragons and everybody, everybody thinks everybody else is awesome. Like mm-hmm. we all, we're all impressed by each other, but at the same time, we're all like, playfully throwing each other the middle finger there's no like you did a good job i'm so proud of you it's mostly like good job on not fucking up you silly motherfucker like yeah and so i find my dynamics with women the women that i tend to gravitate towards and be attracted to are lions the lionesses i i'm attracted to women that are total bulldogs about shit that are not going to put up with my shit that are, that are not going to feed into it, that, that roll their eyes at, at my, and, and I enjoy it. Like my playful arrogance about shit. If Mm -hmm. I get a loving eye roll, man, that, that makes my heart smile. But if I get compliments, if I get lightweight worship Mm -hmm. and that happens, 
and I, I feel like I'm being placed on a fucking pedestal instead of, um, okay, I see you. I see you're dope. I like you for, you know, what you bring to this situation. And again, going back to fish love, like you fulfill this part of me and I put this part of myself in you and I'm entrusting you with this part of me. Um, I cannot. And it's the same with friendships. It's very difficult for me to maintain a friendship with somebody that I feel like I don't want to say is inferior, but somebody that kowtows to me instead Mm -hmm. of somebody that's like, fuck you, bitch. Like, I love you. But you're a stupid motherfucker and lovingly saying, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, like you can call anybody can call me stupid. And I'll be like, <laughs> OK, yeah, whatever. But my my interpersonal, my profound interpersonal dynamics are usually centered around finding somebody that challenges me versus somebody who who worships me. But at the same time, the opposite end of that is I'm still objectifying that other fucking individual. I Mm. find, and again, both of the women that I've loved to this day, you know, I respect them for X, Y, and Z. I I consider them to be exceptional and adore them for, you know, this trait, this trait, and this trait. However, if I'm honest, I've never at any point felt like either one was on my level when it came to certain things like abstract oh, yeah. thinking, dude. And, and it's not, it, I told me they not, don't, they literally don't care about it. And they it's just don't like, why do they, I put you on a fucking pedestal when you literally like it? And, and that, and, and not to, to try, I'll let you finish your thing real, real quick, but I just have to say that when I was going through or during therapy, learning that I didn't have a value system in place, I learned that I value intelligence. I value constantly wanting to learn stuff. So when someone says that they don't care about something and they don't want to learn about something, that should have been like, okay, bye. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, yeah but- and, well, and, and there, there, were, there were two responses to um, what I am. And this is going to be arrogant, but I'm just going to be fucking honest. Like, um, I'm wrong a lot. And, and, but there's nothing ventured, nothing fucking game. So I'm willing to be wrong. The the whole basis for the Salomist is us being willing to be wrong, us putting our honest thoughts out there. But how we're literally calling ourselves narcissists and like shit like that, you know? Yeah, dude. But like, how am I going to believe different when I've grown up and everything academically and even athletically, it's not like I was ever going to be, uh, fucking mugsy bogues or anything like that like i'm not i'm not i'm not a baller or anything like that i wasn't gonna play in the nfl but athletically within the bounds of my physicality there's nothing that i felt like i couldn't do and excel at within the and and even including my brain in the physicality i always i always got like the presidential physical fitness award and I didn't try like it wasn't like I was at the house like I got to get this presidential physical fitness fucking award. I got to make sure I do 18 pull ups whenever I get to school today. Like mm-hmm. it just was what I was. And then testing into, you know, gifted and talented, being a gifted and talented and having Miss McLeod, our gifted and talented teacher, sit around with a group of elementary school students and be like, so 
do you all ever feel different? Like you don't relate to people your age and shit like that. Like we're being fed that. And then we read books like the red badge of courage when we're in like third fucking grade and like Johnny Tremaine and shit that, that people that are our age now, you could be like, have them read it and then write a report on it. And they get a yeah. C on that shit. Mm-hmm. My entire life. And again, I've always been a little bit hood about stuff too. Like I like to, I liked crime. Like if I was doing well, everybody knew they were like, Kilborn probably knows the answer to this. I was like, hell yeah, cheat off me, motherfucker. Like, yeah. let's do this. Let's do this shit. And I never, and I'm very fortunate in that way that like, I never experienced a period in my life where I was made to feel uh, lesser than. If anything, I was lifted up because I was the smart kid the smart, racially ambiguous kid that would get in fistfights, would let you te- uh, copy off of his fucking tests, um, would get in trouble, was willing to do all this other shit that conventionally, like the other smart, nerdy kids, they didn't fall into that fucking category, right? Mm-hmm. So my entire life, I've been fed this this trope that I'm exceptional. Yeah. And it's and that's lightweight why I hate I get disgusted by compliments now because I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to amend myself because I've been my own worst enemy more times than other people have been my enemy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going into these these relationships with people that I love, which love and being in love is a dangerous fucking chemical reaction. Absolutely. It's a, it's a cascading thing that has a reciprocal element between chemical reactions and human behavior and dynamics over time. Things build up and accumulate and don't get forgotten, do not get resolved. Mm-hmm. There, there are these, these never-ending patterns, these ruts that people get in. And it's, it's hard enough for one individual to work on themselves, much less two people working on themselves individually and then trying to make a relationship work so i say all this shit to lay the groundwork for the arrogance that's about to come out of my motherfucking mouth <laughs> i'm about to say some real arrogant shit right i now. am i am but I, you're like I, i'm the I greatest had, motherfucker this world has ever seen well i had two two of the biggest impediments that i had were were um on an intellectual level and communicating and trying to make that connection on a high level. One of my, one of the two women that I have loved took the route of being contrarian. Mm, She was eight years, eight, eight years, my junior to be fair, seven, eight years, my junior, but an exceptional human being, very intelligent, but just did not have the body of, of uh, education that I had. So when we're talking about psychology and the state of psychology, and I present something that is in literally every modern textbook and in the DSM, and it's just for the sake of discussion. It's not like I'm like trying to unpack her. It's like we're having a discussion. And then I have her be like, well, I don't believe that. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if you believe it or not. Like, yeah, what the fuck? And then ultimately what I figured out and after talking to her, now she's, you know, she's about 30 now. Yeah. Um, 
talking to her. So you know what, man? I would learn the world really is round. Fuck. <laughs> well, she she was very candid about the fact that she was threatened by me, and she's mm-hmm. again, I'm this this narcissistic type of individual, and I'm seeking out these lionesses, these these type A strong like this is what the fuck we're gonna do, Chris. And I'm like, all right, I, I can dig how uh how willing you are to put your foot down and say this, this, and this. But I need you to have some substance behind it. So whenever we're having these big, deep, intellectual fucking conversations and I get hit with some contrarian shit, I'm like, what the fuck? And mm-hmm. then it came, and then ultimately, you know, she and I have since reconciled, like had a little tryst since then and then had a falling out and then reconciled. What does a tryst mean? It means that we hooked up not too oh, long ago. Oh, it was ago. like you beat cheeks. Yeah, that? I beat cheeks not too long ago, and then but but then she, you know, she started putting me on a fucking pedestal. Well, that's a whole other fucking thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because because of time and space, mm. she was putting me on a pedestal and apologizing for everything. Like she's like, I've thought about you every day since you know we hadn't talked, and we hadn't talked in over three years. And she just kept on throwing all this positive shit, like nothing negative. And I kept on having to remind her, I'm like, dude, I wasn't perfect at all. Like you were the first woman that I loved and I didn't know how to fucking handle it. And I wasn't, I I wasn't a complete human being. I was learning as I was going and you were so much younger than I was, than I was. And you hadn't experienced life yet. And I put unfair expectations on you. So I was having to check the fact that she was putting me on a pedestal on on the come up on on the you know coming back around but the the long-winded i mean i tell you the other half of this isn't going to be quite as long-winded but ultimately she was like yes the reason why we would have those conversations and i would get kind of pissy and contrarian with you and disagree with you without any foundation to support the fact that i didn't believe something that that isn't my opinion that I'm just proxying what the scientific community is putting out there is because of insecurity mm-hmm. because she is this alpha female because she or alpha type individual. I won't even say alpha female. It just happens to be my case. When you present somebody else that is also exceptional in many ways with this stuff and they don't feel like they can keep up. A lot of people are going to be like they're, the the cognitive dissonance kicks in and they're like no this this doesn't feel good this doesn't feel right i can't i can't quite grasp it so mm-hmm. i'm going to act like it's not right so that's what happened with that one and then this last one and it breaks my heart to this fucking day and i don't know i don't know what i could have done differently because everything happened so fast it was so profound and inexplicable with this last relationship that we we really didn't care that we were so fucking different Mm. like super different and her sister even said they she was like i cannot believe that you two get along as well as you do because you all are both very strong personalities Mm. like this woman was little miss business she would go like tenacious if she wanted something she went after it i mean she wanted me and i had all these hoes and i was just like i was just like all right well you make a good case i love you now like (laughs) like, this is it's me and you then boo like all right if you cut my throat you cut my throat but you're worth it like 
we're going to go down this path. And, and I don't regret it. The only thing, the only things I regret are the things that I could have handled differently on my end. And I'm not saying that like we were meant to be together and I don't really believe in that shit anyway. I don't think that we were compatible really at the end of the day, but the fact that I was having a similar conversation with her, um, because she was my person, you know, I, I invested 100% into her and, and her son and the, the family we were trying to create. And I remember discussing something with her and trying to re-explain it and re-explain it. And again, it wasn't related to us. It wasn't related to our relationship or anything like that. And she, you know, her life is stressful. I mean, my life is fucking stressful. And I, I have imperfect explosive moments, even though they're rare. But she goes, I'm just not as smart as you, okay, with tears in her eyes. Yeah. And I don't really believe that. I know that her intelligence is different than mine. I know that she doesn't have the same toolkit when it comes to, like, scientific fucking research and memorization of mundane fucking facts, which I'm dope at. I'm yeah. really dope at memorizing facts that most people could give a fuck less about. But yeah. when somebody that I love more than anything in the fucking world says, I'm sorry, I'm just not as fucking smart as you with tears in their eyes. You're like, holy fucking shit. Like, yeah, how, how did we get to this point? How did we get here? Yeah. And, and it was very much a result of you know, me putting this person on a pedestal, me putting both of these people on pedestals because I'm like, you can hang. All right. You can fucking hang. And if you, and you look at all of my friends too, a lot, almost invariably all my friends, I don't, I, I have friends that I feel like can hang, that I can say anything to, that I can terrorize to the utmost extent. And I don't have to handle with kid gloves and I expect the same in return. But in reality, like I play too rough mm -hmm. and, and I expect too much when it comes to, or, or discount the feelings of somebody else that may perceive may perceivably be William badass the first, but I've even had, you know, friends tell me CJ, much love to CJ if you listen. But CJ has been very candid with me and been like, dude, you are just kind of mean. Like, you you play rough. You expect people to be on the same level as you, and you don't understand that, and people don't understand it either, that, that my terrorizing somebody else or me being a, a brutal motherfucker with somebody else in my twisted ass former Jehovah Witness Melungeon Kilborn mind is a presentation of love and an acknowledgement of somebody else's being exceptional. Mm -hmm. In reality, that's that's me. That's mm -hmm. not how that's not how it fucking works outside of my mind. Yeah. And that's me putting this person on a, a fucking pedestal. Mm -hmm. That's me objectifying this person. And that's me putting unfair fucking expectations on somebody who I'm supposed to fucking love. And yeah. and I'm not manifesting. I, I'm I'm doing what I think is genuine love and not fish love. But it's really just fish love with extra steps. Mm -hmm. It's convoluted fish love. It's me being like, 
It's arrogant, pompous, high level, high functioning. All right. We are so fucking great. Aren't we? Yeah, we're great. And then when you can't hang and then I terrorize you about that shit, I don't understand why you don't understand that I'm really just being like, oh, I'm only saying this because I think you're strong enough to handle it. Yeah. But really, I'm being a fucking I'm being a son of a bitch. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. It makes me think of like. Did I did I do anything like that? Have I done stuff like that before? And it's like probably. And I think that and I I definitely know moments where that has happened to me of just being like called a dumbass and stuff like that. You know, and it's just and I go into this like, you fucking idiot, you're not smarter than me. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who who are you? Who the hell do you think you are calling me a dumbass in front of your family? Are you like you have everything because of me? Like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like the audacity, the it, fucking dude, audacity. You, you, you have everything because of me. I did not give you the audacity to say some shit like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but like people or being think, told, fuck you, even something. Is oh simple. yeah. Yeah. Like but, when, I, when I, when I've been told just the one time, yeah. like this last woman that, that I cared about, she yeah. said, fuck you to me after yeah. I said, some biting snide shit, but yeah. um, I took myself so fucking seriously that I flew off the fucking handle about it. Like, yeah. and that's, yeah. that was the nail in the goddamn coffin. Yeah. But you know, when you, you think, and it's like on the same, you know, that they wouldn't say that to someone that they didn't give a in that they didn't give a shit about, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but, and they, they probably wouldn't say it to somebody that they actually thought was a dumbass. Yeah, they wouldn't say to someone they thought was a dumbass, but in, but that's what this is the result of putting people on pedestals is that you do come off as fucking mean. Like you can say things that can be hurtful. You can say things that are completely out of line, you know, say things that you shouldn't say. And, and, and that is where the problem lies. Well, check this out. This is an interesting uh, paradigm to think about. And it's like a rap lyric. But um, idols become rivals. Mm. That's true. Pocket so, biggie, bro. Dude, idols become fucking rivals. Like, if you idolize someone, in many cases, like in an interpersonal context, if you're putting them on a pedestal, and if we look at it through the um, idolization uh, lens. Yeah. If you idolize that person and then you start to see, you know, modicums of imperfection or whatever, the human elements of them um, and and the things that you once admired about them. Especially some some motherfuckers like you and I Mm -hmm. that that joust with being able to relate to people um, sometimes, especially people that we would like to consider our equals. Yeah. It's a difficult fucking thing. Cause Very you know, difficult. you and I like, we'll terrorize the shit out of each other. Occasionally we'll get on each other's nerves, but we'll talk about it. Yeah. And then we're fucking fine, but we're kind of, we kind of play rough mm-hmm. and you play. And I know you play rougher with me and, and then you would, you know, uh, 
Caucasian James that lives down the street. I know you would. You just fucking do. But these, uh, when you have, and it's, it's a difficult line to tow. And, and I'm very fortunate to have the friend group that I do because I do, I do not view you as a rival at all. Mm -hmm. Like I, I respect you and I acknowledge that we're different animals and that we both have our strengths and, Mm -hmm. and those strengths, those strengths and not even necessarily weaknesses, but where the other one is strong, the other one might have less knowledge and it gives me comfort knowing that I can come to you. And I generally don't ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and nor do you, Mm -hmm. but, but if you would, if you needed my help and vice versa, I know that, that it's available. It's yeah. the same. It's the same for anybody that's in my tight knit fucking group. Is that I'm like, man, this is a bad motherfucker. Like I really think this is an exceptional fucking creature. But but they're not my rival, and I yeah. see them. And, and I also, again, I do not put y'all on pedestals. I see y'all's imperfections as well. I see your struggles. I see all that kind of stuff. It's really where the intangible, the chemical stuff. That's non-objective, the the cocktail, the drug that's associated with it. Mm-hmm. That's I feel like that's where the big impediment comes in. That pink cloud that glosses over the fact that each and every one of us should be actively working every single day on our own bullshit. Yeah. And it and it seems to happen more often than not with with romantic dynamics um with people that have trouble maintaining uh close friends and with people who are easily influenced and want something tangible to latch on to yes yes through a through a charismatic leader and you can you could lump the tango between the codependent and the narcissist in that because really cult leaders feed off of that kind of stuff. They absolutely and, do. And yeah, they are the narcissist in that situation. And then they bring an entire body of codependents in, a community of codependents in. And mm-hmm. one could argue, and you get people can roll their eyes and be like, oh, there he goes. But you could argue you scale that up into religion. That's what religion is, too, a lot of times. Yeah. It's not like a, a particular... And it's not, and I said a lot of times because um, Adam Shorts, honest, honestly, has cha- changed my mind. Yeah, you know, I'm he really has. He, dude, he makes me want to actually like, I'll give Church another shot. <laughs> I, well, not, not, not me, but yeah. I'll, I'll give, I'll give religion and his, his church. I, and yeah, his, exactly. I give his, I'll give, his thing. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give him uh, the credit that it's due in terms yes. of giving it a shot, like. Okay, you, 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 you could be an ally. You could be an asset to the community, and and it makes me feel good that you know I met him at what thirty four, thirty five years old, thirty four yeah. years old, mm-hmm. and I was able to be like, and I was, you know, I'm still anti theistic, like I'm, I'm, I'm an anti theist, sure, but I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not a rabid one, but not a rabid, yeah, but but he's not. He's not feeding his own fucking ego through this this hive of individuals that are sniffing his fucking throne about stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that that inexplicable, the 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 pathos, 
the the stuff that makes us the intangible drug that we that we have these profound experiences with other individuals through. Um, like I said, this last relationship was largely a year of just us being completely doped up on each other and it not making any sense to anybody else that knew each of us. Like mm-hmm. they're like, how are these two people together? I understand that they're attracted to each other, like physically, like that yeah. makes sense. But personality wise, completely again, different, completely like, and, yeah. and, and culturally everything was just yeah, completely that, that was even something that you and I talked about. The, the, the there was a massive gap between you two, but I think that is the, that is the allure and the, the mystery and almost the beauty behind it is that something like that exists. Oh yeah. That was part of it. There was enormous allure to the fact that we came from such. And, and again, I I think I was fetishized to a degree because I'm, and I, I want to believe this. I want to believe it. Um, so I'm going to believe it for the time being because it makes the most sense to me also. But I was fetishized as being exotic because I'm mixed race fucking hillbilly that has probably which, you know, IQ is like culturally subjective too, yeah. but has pretty high IQ, pretty high EQ, um, knows a lot about a lot of shit. We'll fight a motherfucker. We'll also like cuddle a a little puppy and kiss on it and cry at cat videos on the internet like this. I fucking cry at those when the, when the uh, parent comes home from deployment or some shit. I don't know why. Oh, and the dog is like, Oh or yeah. If it's a pet, or if it's like a parent comes to surprise a kid that has been like out on deployment for a long time. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. a, I'm a hormonal motherfucker, dude. Yeah, like I, yeah. I weep and I, I have, we contain volumes like we yes. are not one dimensional beings. And there are a lot of and that was one of the things with my ex is that she often she would make note of uh, how complex I was. And she wasn't being negative. She was like, I just like I, I feel like a, a rock sometimes like I'm just content existing, yeah. whereas you. And and part of it, I unfairly like I expected to have a partner that was able to help me unpack the fact that I deal with uh, reality. I'm on the front lines of reality. Like I'm not playing Mr. Businessman, bro. You know good and well, and you've said it numerous times. Like you could do anything. Like you could step away and make a hundred k a year if you Mm -hmm. decided to do that. But for whatever reason, I'm compelled. I'm like. It, it, it causes me genuine discomfort to think that I'm not on the precipice of addressing social disparity. Yeah. Um, and it's not a noble thing. It's not to feel good. I'm just like, ah, I got to fix it. I got to yeah. make sure that it's okay. I got to make sure that this is fine. But I unfairly put those fucking expectations on somebody that didn't have the same kind of toolkit that I did. Yeah. And somebody yep. that's more simple. And I don't mean that in a negative way because yeah. most people are more simple yeah that's that's exactly what it is it's it is it is such a low um low percentage if you will uh chance that someone will be born of at least in my case born of two you know both parents are professors 
knowing exactly where you come from, because we can all agree that where you come from plays a very big part in where you're going. You know yeah, what I mean? It does. Like knows yeah. your name, knows all this other kind of stuff. Like, and then you're having parents that put every bit of their resources into you and your siblings. Like that's such a rare thing. And to, and to think or expect other people to even be close to that. Like it is, it's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. It's wrong to be able to do that. Yeah. And it, 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 yeah, it, it's incredibly fucking abrasive. It, it's, fu- it's fucked up. It is fucked it, up. Because nothing will ever work if you do it like that. Bruh. And even though we are, even though we both look like suspects. Oh, I look like we, a fucking suspect. Yeah. Yeah. Not today both, though. I got my, my are you crispy? Boots. No, I'm not, I'm not crispy. <laughs> I'm wearing well, earth tones, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I, I am. Uh, you and I are both suspects. Yeah, we we look like somebody that did something fucking wrong. Yeah, but um, ultimately, like you know, we have, despite despite that, we have this privilege that even a lot of white people don't fucking it's, have. Exactly. That's that. You said the right thing right there. It is very privileged. I'm certainly more. Yes, there is shit that I'm going. There's shit that I'm going to deal with um, that that black people would also deal with. But man, that privilege of having of growing up the way that I did and having both parents and, you know, them being both educated and all this other kind of stuff, dude, that is a privilege. Yeah. And, and honestly, like same thing, it was a different route, like. I can trace now. I, I can't trace, you know, nine, not quite nine generations back, but I can trace back to when the first male Kilborn landed in the United States, um, in Connecticut, and and took a wife that was of Pequot Indian descent. I can trace it all the way back there. And then I, I start looking at my family tree, right? Like not only, you know, I've, I've done my DNA and I know what kind of makeup it is, which it's a total fucking melange. Like I don't have a racial identity outside of being Melungeon, but at the same time I can go through my family tree and, and going through ancestry for my family tree I start running into interesting things like gaps and women, and it's usually women and invariably a lot of times, especially through the Kilborn line um, and, and even the Collins line, like going back up because the Collins line has been Melungeon since Melungeon, since Melungeon, since Melungeon. Whereas the Kilborns just landed, the dude landed in Connecticut, reproduced with a Pequot woman. And then it was like, free for all we fucking brown people and like then we go have i'm a fucking white person and like it but there's those gaps in that family tree and the gaps and then also the unknown birth date you know a lot of women in my family tree have an unknown birth date unknown death date and a lot of times that that correlates unfortunately um the, the lack of information that's associated with it is that it was a woman of color and uh, taken as a wife by either a one of my white male ancestors or one of my free mulatto ancestors because 
the the interesting thing is is that we were never from the south i don't have any ancestors from the fucking south period in the united states none not on either side it's either it's it's from from europe from africa or indigenous and either north all the way down through appalachia and then the tennessee valley is as far down south as that anybody goes i don't have any kind of shit down that way but i know what i am and i've known what i was since i was little and there wasn't anybody else like me and that's part of my fucking arrogance that's part of my narcissism too is that i'm like like all right well we'll we'll do this shit like it I can hang with you. I don't care. I, I don't care if you think that you're the most athletic motherfucker on earth. We about to do this shit. I'm about to show you what Melungeon jeans are. Doing. And then, and then I saw you, you know, on the track field. Track in d- that. Dude, I, I had I, to be a little short motherfucker that was smoking reefer all yeah. the time from middle school on. I've got wheels though. And then, <laughs> and people would be like, "Why are you so fast?" So extra cat and muscle. And it's black people that would say that. Like I would go down to. Twyman Park and play basketball and then be like, I don't want to guard Kilborn. Like it's not like uh-huh. because I'm I'm dunking on people and nothing like that. It's just exhausting because I'm yeah. moving this way and that way or whatever. And then not to draw a dichotomy between the two things, but it is if we're honest as people of color that us white people generally will consign themselves that black people are better athletes, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to consign that shit to, to my family because, again, Earl used to go to bunch school and play. and do, I mean, Earl's multiracial, whatever. Yeah. He did the damn thing. And, but then if you step in the other arena, and I think you're familiar with this, success, conventional success and academic success when you're in high school correlates to later on what amounts to business success is a white thing it's a white arena right yeah and you can proxy this as well is that when you step in there with them white kids you're like whatever silly white boy you're (laughs) not gonna make you're not gonna make is i I took the act one time and i made a 28 and i was (laughs) like and i had to poop the whole time like (laughs) i made a 1410 on the sat like yeah whatever white boy i came from the mountains and my fucking family are brown and (laughs) and and that feeds that history our ability to put a our our finger on our past and where we came from and the pride that's associated with that gives us this arrogance and and when we step in how many fucking people regardless of skin color can can identify with that can hang with that sure sure so I want to, I, I want to end this on, if, if maybe we can come up with just a couple of ways to help some of our listeners understand, like, how do, how do we get people, how do we pull people off of the pedestal? You know, one of the things that we certainly talked about is the hardest thing, in my opinion, is understanding that they're going to have to take L's on their own. You know, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to screw up. And the hardest thing is letting them do it. Um, now, it's it's obviously different when there's other things that are at stake, like, you know, if your finances are joined or if you you have some big investment or something like that. That's one thing. But largely, these people are going to have to make mistakes. They're going to have to screw up. They're going to have to fail and they're going to have to pick themselves back up. And, you, and, you know, 
not putting them on that pedestal is going to make that make that process a whole lot easier for you. I also think that the times that I did put people on pedestals, I wonder, was that something was me putting them on a pedestal, uh, a projection of something that I wanted for myself. And, um, and, and I want you guys to think about that. You know, when you want this person to be perfect, is it because you yourself want to be and you can't be? And it's ob- it's always going to be easier to work on other people than it is going to be to work on yourself because you can sit there and objectively look at, you know, look at a person. And then obviously you can mask it behind the fact that you're doing it for, you know, you're doing it for love or you're doing it for these other reasons. But in reality, they're your toy and you're just trying to make your toy a little bit better and you're trying to make your object you know, fit your or uh, appease your sensibilities and comforts. And when it doesn't, that's when you are always going to be disappointed. And I well, can it, sit there and raise my hand and say that I am a thousand percent guilty of that. Well, and, and I would I would add to that that there are two types of putting people on a pedestal. There is the putting people on a pedestal in a uh, submissive way. You're getting some loud is, feedback, by the way. And, and yeah, and then there is there is uh, there is putting people on a pedestal in that uh, in that submissive like oh I, I aspire to be as great as this individual and they're they're fucking fantastic and I'm gonna follow them and hopefully some of their drip will rub off on me that yeah. kind of putting people on a pedestal but there's also the arrogant. Um, I I feel alone. I feel um, I feel alienated from conventional society by virtue of me being just different. Yeah. Um, my, you know, what we perceive as our more exceptional traits have that double-edged sword of being kind of a, a prison in some it's regards. Yeah. And it cuts us off from other people. So there is an arrogance. So you have a submissive subjugative like my liege type of putting people on a pedestal and then you have a i am this bad motherfucking uh creature walking this earth alone oh maybe i'm not alone maybe i'm not alone so i'm i'm a i'm gonna take you who i see certain things that are exceptional in and i'm gonna put you on a pedestal and then i'm gonna expect you to meet my expectations I think yep. that there are two types of it, if not more, but two that are easily identifiable. Mm-hmm. And it you you have to do the groundwork and determine what type of individual you are. Are you yep. the submissive type who looks to others for guidance? Or are you the and the, and there's a lot of different variation among us, but or are you the for lack of a better word arrogant type who walks this earth looking for a connection with somebody because other people you generally deem unexceptional yeah yeah that's a that was good man it's a really good stopping point um i'm not going to go into any like shameless shout outs or anything like that but uh i know that you're tired and i you know i know that you probably have a steak sitting there waiting for you man so uh i thank you for for waiting and oh, uh, yeah. did they get that shit delivered already for you? Oh yeah, I got. Okay. I, I, I muted it and went and got. I got a, a twelve ounce. I got a sirloin because it's got 
I mean, a ribeye is good. L- yeah. Let me tell you. But if I'm going to get a ribeye, I'm going to prepare it my fucking self. Yeah, yeah. And do like a reverse sear or a sous vide yep. or something because mm-hmm. you got to have that fat yeah. um, be the right consistency. And also the ratio of protein mm. to fat in a sirloin versus a ribeye. I got to meet my quota. I'm back uh, lifting heavy as I possibly can again. And I'm big. I'm 215 pounds now, so I'm I'm getting one gram of protein at least per pound of per body pound. weight. Yeah. yeah, and it's a lot easier for me to be like, okay, a 12 ounce sirloin has 112 or whatever it is grams of protein in it, and I'm like, all right, dope. That's that's over half of my quota that yeah. I need to reach. So yeah, I've got me my sirloin waiting for me, but it ain't Enjoy, no thing. Man enjoy it yeah um i want to thank you guys for your time and attention um i'm I'm going to make sure to get this one up uh for tomorrow so um guys take care of yourselves take care of each other i think for a lot of people they're probably getting word of their vaccines uh go through and get that done if you can if you qualify right now but it's only a matter of time before everyone's going to be able to go through and get it and then some of you shit dicks can go to you know uh what's it called red lobster and get your fucking cheddar biscuits and go bowling and you know you don't have to burn effigies of the of the governor you know so uh but if, if you don't believe in dunces. it then, goddamn yeah. dunces yeah, i hate dunces. y'all yeah i hate y'all I, yeah. if y'all listening right now i hate your ass i really do <laughs> well, you know but uh even you deserve to get vaccinated you son of a bitch so yeah you do <laughs> Um, fucking outbreak monkeys. <laughs> That's what they are, a bunch of outbreak monkeys. <laughs> yeah, getting COVID three times. And yeah, it's like, what around. the fuck is wrong with you? Like, sitting it, in a, it's 34 degrees outside, and they sitting in a tent outside of O'Charlie. <laughs> fucking idiot. Because you want your, you want your, what's it called? Their, their infinite, uh, unlimited rolls and their cheese soup. That it, you're going to sit outside because you're a rebel. Get yeah, and I like how you called their potato soup cheese soup because it's, it's not really, potatoes. It's not. It's like cheese soup with a ton of salt and yeah. like three potatoes in it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, for real though, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we are out. Peace. <laughs>